Welcome to Season 3 of The Unforgiving 60 with your hosts, Ben Pronk and Tim Curtis. As two ex-SAS guys armed with MBAs, Ben and Tim seek out people leading lives less ordinary and talk with them about how they fill their unforgiving minutes and what helps them go always a little further. Like intellectual bowerbirds, we aim to collect shiny little objects of knowledge that we think can help build better humans. And welcome to the Unforgiving 60 podcast, season three. I'm Tim Curtis with my co-host, Ben Pronk. How have we not been cancelled yet? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Three seasons. Over, I don't know, 100-ish episodes. <laughs> we, we also don't know how many episodes we've released. I don't think you'll ever know. I don't think it's possible to find out how many podcast episodes uh. you've recorded. And um, but yeah, three seasons. That sounds pretty cool. That sounds pretty cool. Now, nearly exactly twelve months ago, we had this guest on the show, season two, episode one, the talking the zombie apocalypse and SAS tactics to combat the zombie apocalypse. The comedian Mick Nevin. Mick is a champion. Great episode. I think. Um, in fact, we, we've got some great downloads, great stats on that episode. It's a, it's a pretty impressive one, but I think we enjoyed it as, as much as anyone. It was a really good chat with Mick last I mean, year. What's very clear is that people want to know what tactics you use to kill zombies. Yeah, and I'm interested in talking with Mick. Um, I kind of feel partly responsible for the pandemic. We, we spoke about uh, an apocalypse descending and then it actually happened in 2020. Mm. Well, we're going to talk about 2020 in review. We had that episode right at the start of the year, but year in review for Mick, for comedy. Yeah, for that's tough. Anyone making their living out performing. of performing live yeah. in front of, front of large groups of people gathered in small spaces must have had a pretty rough 2020. Mm. So he'll talk about that and how he got through. And um, in better news, he is at a Fringe Festival doing his latest gig, Melonhead. Yeah, and we're going to talk about the genesis of Melonhead, why Melonhead, and um, actually touch on a, a few of the, the sort of trials and tribulations that, that sort of led to the show and, and led to, to Mick becoming a comedian and doing what he does today. Yeah, and we'll talk stagecraft and writing gags and how all of them are beautifully delivered and laughs, and the importance of laughs. <laughs> and, and some other if interesting you're, If you're a comedian, laughs are pretty important. <laughs> That's the kind of deep insights you're going to get out of this episode. Yeah, uh, love him. It's awesome to have him back in the studio. Let's get on with the show. And welcome to the Unforgiving 60 podcast. I'm Tim Curtis with my co-host, Ben Pronk. G'day, Tim. And back in the studio for season three, Mick yes! Nevin. Yes! <laughs> here we go, boys. Now, Mick, it's almost a year to the day that we were here yeah. chatting about the apocalypse descending, and then it bloody happened. It do, you, did. do you reckon that was coincidence? It had to be a coincidence, I think. Like, And obviously, some kind of a pestilence was on my list of things to talk about mm. in the podcast. And then, yeah, the uh, the real world beat me to it. Well, we, we predicted zombies, but it, it turned out to be a mild sort of <laughs> flu. <laughs> that, it's not even real. <laughs> Good. Yeah, the, the conspiracy theory. Yeah. Well, what a were, year for conspiracy theory. I know. And you were episode one in season two. And I've got some news for you. Yep. So of all of our episodes, <laughs> you are the fifth most downloaded episode. Yes. Never. Now, now Actually, that, that is incredible yeah. considering you've given 
about half, about 50-odd episodes, a season head start. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Climber with a bullet. Exactly. And uh, I think every day you're getting downloaded uh, about a dozen times a day. Still. Yeah, right. Yeah. So there we are. 100 episodes People like zombies. In. People do like zombies. <laughs> and comedy. And, and funny people as well. I mean, yeah. it's not something they often get on this show. <laughs> uh, so that, that's, how to, that's how to pump the balloon up. Um, so in terms of the total number of episodes, so your downloads is a total percentage number of all episodes, you hold 1.64% of all episodes. But you're right at number five. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. Should we give him 1.64% of all the money we've made from this yes, show? Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you, great. You, you owe us. You owe <laughs> thousands. <laughs> it's a lucrative business podcasting, isn't it? <laughs> it's a lovely right. thing. Now, how did your podcast go? Yeah, it was good. Um, like, I still get the stats occasionally and then um you know you, know, you get the weekly stats and you think oh how many people have looked at it this week and um and then you go oh someone's just blasted through all 19 episodes because mm. it was only ever intended as a um as an adjunct to the show mm. and i sort of met some interesting people and it gave me ideas for the show and you know got a bit of content out of it and then um you know and then i was like hey if it catches fire and all of a sudden i'm getting 50,000 downloads a week or whatever, then I'll I'll press on with it. Yeah. But then they cancelled Melbourne Comedy Festival and I just sort of lost. I had a few guests lined up, but then I was like, meh. Did you use any of our gags from our episode? On your show? Oh, look, everything, everything gets in there organically. It's all part of a pastiche. We'd be a good joke. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which, which gag are you thinking of particularly, Tim? I don't, I don't know if we've got any original material, nor funny material. Yeah. Although I do recall us laughing uproariously during the episode, it was yeah, good we fun. Had a fun actually, time. yeah, it was great, yeah. very good, and it's resonated, which is which is fantastic. Mm. Um, all right, so 2020, the year in review as a comedian through this peculiar period where there was no stage shows. How did it go for you? It was a uh, well, it was a pretty tough year. Mm. Um, to start with, we. Well, we were at the Adelaide Fringe when things started to get a bit serious and then you sort of felt that come through in um, – because I'd written a few coronavirus jokes and then you're doing them on stage and at the start of the Adelaide Fringe, yeah, good one, mate, this is great. <laughs> and then at the end of the Adelaide Fringe, it's like ha, 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 ho, ho. Yeah, right. So when we got to the end of it and then and then you'd have to, you know, just to bring it back, you'd have to go, yeah, that was getting a lot of laughs two weeks ago. <laughs> and everyone goes, we yeah, can yeah. see why, mate, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you notice that. Um, there's a bit of a ticket sales drop towards the, you know, when, um, yeah, people started getting, cagey yeah, about, people started yeah. staying home yeah. and the last weekend was, um, you know, tickets were just went up, 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 people going, oh yeah, show's picking up a bit of momentum. And then the last, you know, Saturday and Sunday night, they just stayed where they were. No one bought any extra it, tickets. And- that, that sort of, you know, too soon type thing. I, I saw you posted on Instagram recently to, uh, sort of reviews from the same bloke. The first one said, "Fucking oh, who? Yeah. You know, this is awful. How can you make fun of coronavirus? And you know, lots of people are getting sick." And then he sort of came around and woke up to himself. And no, nah, no, nah, on reflection, it's pretty fun. But do you consider anything off limits in terms of your comedy? Oh no, nothing's off limits. Just the way you say it, and yeah. how you do it. Um, it's a common thing that happens with open micers. I don't know. They watch Louis C.K. or. Yeah. Um, not, Even Ricky not so Gervais, much Louis C.K. anymore, but they yeah. watch Ricky Gervais or Bill Burr or someone like that. You know, comedians with thirty years experience, thirty plus years experience, tackle a tough subject and 
but make it funny you know like it's common like new comedians will come through and do rape jokes yeah yeah something like that and you make jokes about rape if you want but you've got to get it right do it carefully and you need a lot of experience under your belt to do that you know yeah yeah so you're over here for fringe again and this time the title of your show is melonhead which is a view on yourself really and your life um why the title melonhead Ah, look, it's a, a title's a t- it's title's as much of a, a marketing tool as a as a show tool. It's got to sound sort of fun and like something someone would be interested in, and you've got to have a poster to go along with it. So, yeah, there's a there's a lot of different things in there, but yeah, the melonhead thing is, you know, that's what I got called by bullies on the school bus, and it just sort of stuck with me. So, short for watermelon. Short for watermelon head, the biggest and the cruelest of the melons. <laughs> <laughs> Could have been rock melon or yeah, I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. honeydew melon, melon. Yeah. yeah, that's a little. That's, it's in not fact, a bad that's melon. A, yeah, actually, I don't want to. That's be called a tough honeydew. one to yell when you're leading out from full forward, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. honeydew melon head, honeydew melon head. Honey. <laughs> All right, so uh, what is the diameter of a watermelon, and how does your head compare with that diameter? Well, it depends on the watermelon, I guess. But um, no, I do. It took me a while to find the watermelon for the poster because I'm like, you know, standing in the supermarket holding, <laughs> holding watermelons up to my head with my daughter. Is this one big enough? Is this would, one big would enough? Would this fit? Yeah. Will this fit over? Yeah. Trying to try like when you hire a, a bike in Bali and <laughs> you just got to say to the dude, the biggest one you got, bro. Yeah. No, nah, I need a bigger one. No, nah, bigger one. <laughs> and there, there was a diameter of head competition between comedians. Oh, yeah, I Do I remember yeah. that yeah. correctly? How did yeah, that come about? Well, we were just, it's just a funny thing. And um, we were at the end of the Adelaide Fringe a couple of years ago when, and last night, and English comedian Kai Humphreys, there's 30 comedians sitting around and English comedian Kai Humphreys pulls out a tape measure and started measuring people's heads and just loudly announced, oh, let's have a head, head competition. <laughs> Who's got the biggest head? And then straight away, I said, I'll win this. <laughs> See, I Not don't, competitive at all. <laughs> I don't look at you and think disproportionately big head. Yeah, and but I've grown. Okay, you've grown into your yeah, head. Yeah, and the, the name came about from when I was a, um, when I was a, you know, like a, a kid just starting yeah, school. Right. When I looked like a gear stick, I had no shoulders <laughs> at all. I look when I look at when I look at school photos from when I was in, in primary school. I was just like, Jesus Christ, how did you eat? Because there was no, there's no shoulders there at all. It's just a bonce. <laughs> so twenty two inches. Here's a little bit of fun fact for you. <laughs> at his peak of performance Arnold Schwarzenegger's biceps were 22 inches you're kidding I'm dead serious yeah right you can use that material unit. I'll, I'll give you free license to use that material in your show yeah that, I'll take that one that's a great although the stat. biggest biceps ever is 31 inches that's a big bicep what, what have you been googling <laughs> <laughs> this is weird <laughs> yeah we do not want to look through you we don't we don't need your browsing history Tim. <laughs> well if we had Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger's bicep here would be exactly the yeah, diameter can, uh, yeah, of your head. That's a big, um, so, you know, two-thirds of that is triceps, so let, let's not get carried away. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I think two-thirds the arm is the tricep. Only one-third the bicep. Isn't that what you just said? You say that? <laughs> You're pretty much yeah, exactly what I just said. <laughs> I'm right. just getting a bit more clinical about it. All right, Hulk Hogan, 24-inch bicep. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> ben has just spat his coffee out all over the studio. <laughs> I was not aware we were doing biceps this episode. I would have yeah, done more research. Well, I'm certainly not doing my biceps, that's for sure. <laughs> Moving on. 
All right, so you arrive in, in Perth and you're happy to be on the West Coast, no masks over here, but then the cloak of COVID descended behind you and you had to go into self-ISO. Yeah, we um, we were on the Sunshine Coast, my girlfriend and I, also a comedian, um, Nikki Wilkinson, Beaver Cheek, check her out. Um, <laughs> and so, so we're well, on the Sunshine on, hang on, hang on. Coast. Beaver Cheeks. Beaver Cheeks, yeah. Is that... What is that in reference to? No, that's, a, that's, that's definitely her face. Yeah, okay. yeah definitely her okay. face. Um, and yeah, someone, a few people have said that, and she's like, I didn't even think of that when I <laughs> when, when I named the show. But anyway, um, yeah, we're on the sunny coast, due to fly to Perth on the fourteenth of January, just mm. in time for it to start. And uh, what, you know, the producer we're working with here, he's like, can everyone just please fly over on? the 31st of January so that if anything happens I'm like yeah yeah she'll be right mate she'll be right yeah. and then Sydney started getting outbreaks and there and then we're, we're driving around the Sunshine Coast and you're seeing New South Wales number plates everywhere and next you've, you're looking at the news 10 times a day waiting to see if anything happens if you've got to just bolt for a plane so then we just we, um, we yeah we just freaked out and went nah you know what we're going on the second booked the flights, got over here, and then relaxed. We're like, oh, this is great. Yeah. And then um, some cleaner got out and they uh, locked us back up. And you enjoy <laughs> some cleaner got out. Which was, which was cool because it's just self-isolation, not hotel. So then yeah. we had an Airbnb with our own bathroom and we checked the self-isolation rules and the guy we're staying with, he's like, yeah, just stay. We're at Cottleslow. Go on the beach every day and next thing – Let's pick this place. It's a bit more expensive, but it's right next to the beach, and we'll have a nice time there. And then we're stuck in the place, going, "Oh, the beach is just over just the road." At the beach. Yeah. <laughs> we could have, we should have stayed in a shithole if we knew we were gonna. Anyway, but some nice posts on social media of you jumping off the what is that called at Cottesloe? The pylon. Pylon. Oh mm. yeah, 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 the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and some damage, some injuries, some first aid required. Oh no, no, nothing too bad. I did I did hurt my back a little bit, not diving off the pylon, but um, no, I, I it was good. You know, you you paddle out of the pylon. It's quite, it's not difficult to get up once you know the trick of it. But there's all these teenagers, yeah. you know, bomb diving off and all this sort of stuff. And then so you just swim out. I swam out one day and then um got up there and they're all in the water and just dropped this massive can opener right next to them. And you know when like when you drop a bomb and you hear the water go whoop above your head and as you're going under you're thinking, oh yeah, I've nailed that. And then I pop back up and the boys are like, sick bro. <laughs> and then when my girlfriend, she swam out as well and she's like, you know when you hit the water, they all just went, whoa. And I'm like, that's it. One jump for me, I'm going back in. Not- I'm claiming it. <laughs> My brother and I, as kids, were into BMXs, and we used to see all you know the middle-aged sort of dudes at the BMX track and think, yeah, they, they're still living the dream, and you know that's how we're going to. Now we sort of look back and think that's a bit weird that you're a 35 year old still on a BMX. Yeah. But you, it's good you still do bombies. Yeah, still got yep. it, man. Yeah, still got it. Uh, now we know you're a runner because we were going to use you a lure as you use you as a lure in the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, but how does a runner get through self isolation? Yeah, well, I did the. Um did a, did the day's exercise in the uh, in the courtyard, just running around in circles. So they had a little courtyard in the uh, the place we were staying at, and and then like the property boundary, you know, we just sort of had a look at it and just managed to get like a fifty meters that way, or maybe thirty meters one way, and then off on a little tangent for another twenty meters, and then back around the bottom. And, Jeez. Yeah. And, and you were saying you ran five k's in yeah fifty. 
and 30 metre increments. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Just sort of up and around. And then you've got to run it in a figure eight so you're not turning on the same... Oh, yeah, yeah. On mm. the same... Do a Turning lock. on the same side all the time. And, and then, yeah, so ran a K and then stopped and did some exercise and then ran a K and stuff like that. So pretty slow K. It's not my usual... Not my usual time, but it's all right. Got Still hardcore commitment. It looks good on the map too. Yeah. Just a little <laughs> buzz around. And... Well, check out Mick's Instagram because there is a well. There's a post of your exploits on the pylon, mm. and also the picture of was it a Strava map? Yes, yeah, little Strava map. Yeah, yeah. 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 You know, if it's crazy. not on Strava, it doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, you can talk to Ben about that. He puts his stuff on Strava, but doesn't let anyone see. I'm what really sort of embarrassed. Does that? Oh, yeah, if you, I sometimes think, oh, I'm not putting that on. And they say, no, just own it when you run a slow one. Yeah. What's, a, what's a slow one and what's a fast one for you? Oh, anything over a 5K pace is a slow one. Like if I've had a little break and just sort of easing back into it. Mm. And a fast one's probably under 4.30 something. That is fast. That's why I don't post. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, where, where are you at? Look, our, my little dog drags me along at about 4.30s and I'm knackered after 5Ks. Yep. Um, but, yeah, no, my cruising pace is well over 5, I reckon, these yep. days. Yeah, For dis- yeah I, the longer you go, the, the more it pulls back. But, mm. Mm. Uh, back to 2020, you and a bunch of other comedians put on a show online, virtually, 24 hours of comedy. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, well, we, um, as you said, once, once Melbourne got cancelled, then comedy everywhere around the world got cancelled. And, you know, people started jumping online straight away and oh, I'm doing an online show and mm. this is ha-. and then my girlfriend and I were like, let's not jump straight into that, stra-, you know, when we sort of, let's watch. And then we started drinking pretty heavily because I think <laughs> something got no purpose. And um, then we, so yeah, through Comedy Festival and then we went um, back to, we got out of Melbourne and went to Rockhampton where my daughter lives because I'm like, well, if we're not working for months, then may as well be, you know, mm. near my daughter. And then, um, then we gave up drinking for a month because we're like, we were doing some, <laughs> we're doing some damage here. We got to, you know, this is not this is not good for us mentally. And then, as it started to ease up a bit towards the um, end of May, we realised we hadn't done anything. Mm. And you know, friends are putting on a show a week, or and then we just thought, oh, let's let's just do one big thing, and yep. then we can. Um, we can claim, you know, then we don't have to do anything else. It's not a commitment or anything like that. And, yep. and so we did the lockdown laughathon, which was um, 120 comedians from 20, 33 countries in 24 hours. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah, just sort of reached out because we, you know, we work all around the world, so we've got we know comedians from all around the world, and we just tried to get as many countries as we could and and put them all together in a show and just sort of follow this, you know, so. When it was um, three o'clock in the morning, our time. Yep. You know, that's Russia. when we have the English comedians on and the the yep. European comedians, and then the American comedians come online, and yeah, it was great. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I've I've referenced about four times <laughs> that scene in Independence Day. You know, when all the fighter pilots around the world get together to battle the aliens. Mm. For some reason, that I find that really profound. But anyway, it sounds like you yeah, did a similar it, thing with, it was with similar, comedy. Very similar to it. Very similar. Yeah, and, saved um, the world basically. Yeah, and it was it was great, and we just sort of half of it wasn't even chatting. I was wasn't even doing jokes or anything. It was like you know, you know, our friends in Malaysia were, like, hey, how are you been? How's it been going? You know, and, <laughs> and then uh, as as we work around, and then all of our friends in. So half the time it was that, and then half the time it was performing and jokes. And we got like over a hundred thousand views. Wow! Oh wow! Through the three, um, we 
Were you able to track the the viewership, and did anyone watch the full twenty four hours straight? Yeah, we had um, we had a couple of people that we lined up to be on the thing for the whole twenty four hours. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we had to we did, had it on Facebook Live and Twitch, and Facebook Live only does eight hours, and Twitch does as long as you want, and Zoom does twenty four hours exactly, mm. which dropped because we 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 started the Zoom chat ten minutes before midday. And then the last comedian was on, and or the second last comedian was on, and it dropped out. And we're like, ah! And then we had to quickly get everything going again. And yeah, that was, and that was after 23, 24 hours, and, or 23 hours and 50 minutes. So we we're pretty scrambled. But um, yeah, it was great. And, and you see the, uh, the different, like a lot of people we message and they go, oh, we don't work on Zoom. So. You know, I'm not, I don't know. Mm. And then we're like, come on, just help us out. You know, you're one of our mates. you just got to come on and have a chat and be funny, you know, whatever. And then you see comedians who have been working on their Zoom act and they, you know, just play the camera and getting in and out and, like, drop in for a punchline. Like, what the hell? And, you know, just looking right down the barrel of the... Um, Whereas the people who weren't so good, you look at—they're looking at the at your faces, yeah. so the, the the gaze is just a little bit off. Whereas you got to look down the barrel of the camera when you want to hammer that point. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good. It was a good, um, a good learning experience. Yeah, for how to nail a zoom thing. Will, will you do some more of that? I mean, the the future still remains uncertain. Did you get a taste for for virtual comedy through that, or you? I it's I got a taste for how it can work. Yeah. Yeah, and so for, from a zooming point of view and a business point of view, I would know I would know I'd be fine with jumping on board to yeah. you know someone saying oh we've got a fifth you know it's our Friday afternoon Zoom meeting we want someone to come in and give us a laugh that would be yeah. you know yeah yeah got a hang a, a handle on how to make that work, but um, y- you can't replace that live. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, we were talking we before we came struggle, on air, yeah. yeah, even with our workshops, which aren't funny. Um, <laughs> but the ability to read the room, interact and, and you know, get that feedback, yeah. even just that bloody atmosphere yeah. um, is a the massive thing. A couple of real pros that, like, who obviously had done a lot of Zoom gigs, they came on and they crowd worked the Zoom people. All oh, right. Yeah. Um, what Erica Rhodes from the states? She comes on and she's like, "Oh, we've got the classic Zoom guy up there. He's, you know, he's. <laughs> oh, and there's the lady doing housework in the background. Good to see you again. And just really crowd work the Zoom thing. And I was like, "Wow, she's, you know, that's yeah, next she's level. working hard. Yeah, yeah. You definitely saw some weird things on Zoom in the year 2020. I mean, we we saw two chickens. That was, I had a really funny one, we're a client, a very serious business, you know, we're talking pandemic response and, you know, how are we going to make sure, it was, a, it was a big utility company, you know, like make sure the people of Perth aren't impacted by this, you know, pandemic and this lady working from home, very serious and, and her son, teenage son, sort of brings this chicken <laughs> behind her head. <laughs> and I, I was sort of there, like, obviously I didn't want to sort of throw her off a game because she's really into, you know, and we've got to keep the people safe and blah, 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 and there's this chicken sort of <laughs> <laughs> nodding away. And she saw a kid and splinted, as you can imagine. Yep. You know. um, so, yeah, that, that was my chicken story. Mm. And I had one banking finance insurance client. We were debriefing their crisis management team and she was in her bedroom and right behind was the doorway to the ensuite. And in walked the husband, oblivious to the fact that yeah. she's on a video call with me and just hangs it all out and yep. has a piss in the ensuite. Yeah, that happened quite a bit. There was, well, who was the guy? Some guy from the New Yorker magazine got fired for jerking off in a Zoom meeting. Mm. Yeah, that's a rookie, <laughs> surely. <laughs> oh. 
That, yeah, that's yeah. next level. You know when you accidentally forget to put mute on and you, yeah. you say what a Muppet or something and it, yeah. everyone hears it. I mean, that that's bad, but yeah, you, you don't. Touch no, yourself, do you? Um, but it is easy to forget your pants on a Zoom call. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't there someone in the US that did that? One of the journalists uh, stood up and walked walked away while the camera was still yeah, going. Oh, right. yep. naked not, the... I don't know if he was naked, but certainly yeah, underwear. It a, and it was, as, it, was a, it was a news cross. Oh, it's, it's happened heaps. It's just a lot yeah. of people struggling with the technology. And some of the professor the english professor and his son barged in and he just he was he was on to he was on the bbc talking about it, and his son barged in and he's just get the fuck out of here you fucking idiot. <laughs> and then went back to the, the yeah, top then, oh sorry guys <laughs> but we're not getting any better at zoom i don't reckon no. even after a year solid it's still you know five minutes you got me now oh no you're on mute mate yeah, no, no, yeah hang on yeah, push yeah. that one no, i can't and, hear your internet and connection. can you admit me yeah um I did, collectively, we still suck at Zoom. I can blame the software. I had one yesterday on Microsoft Teams where, you know, you, you log in a minute before and then software says, no, 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 need an upgrade. Oh, Give right. us a quick upgrade. Yeah. <laughs> so I ended up being about eight minutes late for this call. <laughs> <Which> is, <laughs> How has that just come about? What, Aren't upgrade? you using Teams every day? Are you no, doing no, any work? Laptop change. Laptop doing so much work at work. <laughs> I need to yeah, change out my laptops. Burnt out. <laughs> fried yeah. the inners. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, Melonhead. Talk about the themes that you explore in your show, Melonhead. Um, one of them would be trying to look at the positives. Well, the, I get the main theme is just trying to put a funny 50 minutes together and then you have ideas that you want to squeeze in there and you see how those how everything fits together. So, and then you just kind of work it out as you go along. But one of them is trying to be positive in, um, you know, trying to be positive all the time mm-hmm. like the positives of the pandemic, you know, you got people everything's everything's very negative. Yep. about the pandemic and people are upset and you know it's like uh, all the news coverage oh people are dying the economy's collapsing people are losing their jobs and their livelihoods the borders are closed this poor man his father died and he couldn't go to the funeral because the queensland borders were shut and it's a bloody tragedy and you go yeah that that is a tragedy but what about what about the bloke whose mother-in-law couldn't come for christmas <laughs> <laughs> Because he's out there. Yeah, he's 100% yeah, out there. There's a few and, thousand of yeah, them. Yeah, why, you know, you, you could see him on the news just going, oh, it's great the borders are closed, you know. <laughs> she ruined them. Christmas last year, but she's not coming this year. I went and bought a slab. I'm having tomorrow off. It's great. Keep it shut. <laughs> yeah, they're not getting interviewed on the project. No, 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 no. one's talking to them on Sky News or, um, <laughs> or, 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 or you know. And so it's, it's that, trying to look at the positives in a negative situation. And a little bit about just you know you do you can do dumb things, but you can also um, try and make up for those dumb things. Mm. And, yeah, and a few things. You talk about um, in the show being bullied, but you do it in a very humorous way. Um, that that was a thing for you at school. Yeah, being bullied. Yeah, yeah. When I was younger, yeah, got because um, I went to went to school for a few years in a um, in a consolidated school so high school oh, yeah. and primary school together which is a bad recipe on on the school bus there's That's no the there's no the ceiling of, yeah there's no bully ceiling you know it's always mm. you're never getting bullied by kids who are like heaps older than you but there, there's always people a few years older than you 
Um, and so, yeah, that, so I copped a bit of a hard time on the school bus. And then, um, and also I went to, went to um, like 12 primary schools growing up. Mm. So you're always the new kid and yeah. you've always got to sort of find your place. And Did that drive you in some ways to comedy? being bullied and therefore trying to be funny as a response to being bullied? Maybe. I haven't thought too deeply into it. But, yeah, getting a laugh and is a good way to get people on side. I've always just liked jokes, I guess. I, always, I was always a kid. You know, when they were doing the kids' show, one of the hosts, one of the things the host does is any 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 kids want to come up and tell a joke and, like, you'll see three hands will go straight up and yeah. they're, they're the kids who like telling jokes. Yeah. And they'll come out, come straight out. So I was one of them. I always just remembered them and... Like getting a laugh. Yeah. And when did you start writing your own jokes? When are you going to start writing your own jokes? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get Mick to write something. Yeah, yeah, good question. Probably when I started comedy. Like I just saw a, there was a comedy competition, local comedy club that I used to go to pretty much weekly and they had a a poster on the wall saying, hey, it's the... um, the Legends of Laughter comedy competition. Enter, you know, write five minutes of stand-up and enter and you can win three grand. I thought, you know, I'll have a crack at that. And yeah, so I just wrote some jokes. Was it one of those things where it was actually harder than it looked? Were you sitting oh, there and man, the audience just the going, worst. and anyone could do this, I could do it. And then you get up and it's Yeah, 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 yeah. It yeah. was the, uh, the first time was the 100% the worst. Like I was just, you know, I took the microphone out of the stand and my hand was shaking so bad. <laughs> mm. I had to put it back in the stand and just did the whole five-minute set holding the microphone. Ah, it, was, it, was, it was horrible. And then I won the, won the heat. So then the guy goes, oh, you've won the heat. You're going to be back on... <laughs> I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> Can I do the same shit? jokes? <laughs> What's second prize, buddy? Ten minutes, yeah. yeah. So, um, Well, I remember a, a mutual friend of ours, a guy called Ken Studley, who performed for a while under the name Ken, Ken Ackers. Ackers. Yeah. Um, Ken Ackers. Very funny. Yeah, Ken Ackers. Um, very funny dude. And would always, you know, like real laugh in, in the, the sort of um, social environment. And uh, remember going to one of his very early shows, and he had this bit about doing a, you know, what if Shakespeare had written a porno, and so he, he did this porno <laughs> script in in Shakespearean, which was really quite clever, funny. Um, but I remember the difference in terms of the the delivery when it was just sort of down the back with the boys, you know, very casual, relaxed. He nailed it, and you could see visibly same sort of thing, you know, that that single spotlight, nowhere to run, and and um, yeah, you could you could see it was a very different experience up on stage. Yeah, and you can. There's only there's only one way to go from being terrified in your first gig to being casual and relaxed in however many gigs down the track that takes, and it's just to do the time. The ten thousand hours. Or yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. When I went, I went and saw uh, Mark Mark Marin at in in Melbourne, and um, yeah, I've always you know I've always enjoyed his comedy and I listened to his podcast quite a bit, and so yeah, he came to Melbourne, so I went to that, and he. So even just walking out on the stage, you go, "Ooh, that's, <laughs> he's owned it." That's what a thirty-five-year swagger looks like. Before I even got to the microphone, you could just you could just see it. You know, mm. that's wow. That's yeah. So you'd think that comedians would naturally be extroverted, Mick. Would you describe yourself as an extrovert? Oh no, not at all. Mm. Not at all. I'm always the uh, my uh, my girlfriend actually says has said to me several times, "Can you?" like try to be friendlier when I introduce you to my friends. <laughs> like, like, what are you talking about? And she goes, you're just very standoffish and I think that they don't like you. 
because you, they're not going to like you unless you actually relax and be yourself. I'm like, but I am. And then I'm like, oh, okay, I'm just trying to. So do you, do you therefore need to take on a persona when you come on stage to do comedy? Not really. I think you just sort of, you big yourself up and over the time you find what works for you. I guess they call it finding your voice. Yeah. Mm. So you find what works for you and then that's, you sort of lead into that and then every now and again you'll think, oh, I'm going to do something different and then you'll, ooh, you know, it, it takes you out of that thing. You think, you know, I've written a heap of stuff that kind of goes like that so I'll try something different. And, mm. Yeah. It's funny, we... I was just going to say, we, we talk a lot about authenticity with our leadership stuff and it's this idea of, you know, you, you've got to play a role in a certain extent, you know, as a leader, you, you've got to sort of put on a, a brave front as a comedian, you've got to sort of own the stage and be funny and it may be slightly out of your comfort zone and it's that fine line between, you know, you're not trying to pretend to be someone you're not because that looks fake and, and yeah. people see through it straight away, but yep. you you kind of, like you said, you're, you're morphing that version of yourself. It's still you, but you're, you're sort of stretching it and, and pushing it in a direction. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just it's a it's a version of yourself that um, that works on stage. Really, yeah. that's and the um, I guess the best comedy is honesty. Is you know revealing something to yourself, and even if it's just yeah, sometimes you just do something just because you know it's going to get a laugh. But the 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 most rewarding stuff is the. Stuff the, the, the genuine sort of, the genuine stuff. Yeah. yeah, we've got friends of ours that are professional speakers. You know, they do keynotes for a living. That's the only thing they do. And um, one of our friends, Rob Redenback, tells a story about how he has a a, a patter, and at different p- times in this patter, he inserts a joke. And sometimes the joke lands, and everyone laughs. And other times, it just does not resonate. Do you find that? And if so, why would that be so? Yeah, there is well there's a lot of dynamics in a in a in live performance. Sometimes it's just the crowd. Sometimes it's um you might be t- sometimes it's how you're feeling. Sometimes it's uh, the the um what's the word for the sign of the times the anyway whatever. Zeitgeist or Sometimes whatever. it's the zeitgeist. Mm. Um and yeah, like at uh I remember Edinburgh a couple of years ago and I did when you're doing 10 spots a day and running around to various shows and doing spots of various lengths. And the whole day was just a struggle. Mm. So, and at the first one, I was like, oh, that was terrible. I've got to really lift my game, you know, and they get to the next one and that was a struggle and then get to the next. And it was just a Wednesday. It was a Wednesday crowd. And then every comedian you spoke to was like, God, what was wrong with those people out there today? Yeah, yeah. And it was just, it, you know, they always say never blame the crowd, but sometimes you just have to blame the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> I, I imagine there'd be a bit of a confidence game in there as well after you'd taken a few hits. Where you, you know, does that shake your sort of confidence in terms yeah, of Yeah, a little, a little bit, but then you sort of, if particularly in that situation, where you, after the first three, it's like, oh, this is... this. It's this not is, me. Yeah, this is, <laughs> it's, just, it's just Wednesday. Yeah, right. And then um, we had, yeah, last night, even last night at the uh, one of the shows, we, you know, there's a lineup show, so there's seven comedians on, and the crowd they were just really flat. It was just a flat crowd, mm-hmm. and um, everyone came off going, "Fuck, they were hard work." Yeah, right. And you know, if you did get a laugh, it's like I've got them, and then no, nah, they were gone again, slipped out. Yeah. yeah. Could you stage some stooges in there, <laughs> some plants that just cackle <laughs> at the top of their voice? Would, yeah. would that be infectious? Yeah, the that, emotional contagion, motor some, mimicry. That can that can backfire. Like I've 
some people will post on the um, on the Facebook groups going, oh, hey, I've got judges in tonight and my numbers aren't great, you know, so if, a few, if, if you did want to come around and, you know, just laugh out, you know, whatever, and then you read the review and it's like, obviously they had some friends in who oh. were <laughs> 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 crying hysterically at every punchline. Um, so, yeah, that can... Is, Stooges is probably not the best idea. What, what about the other end? Is is heckling still a thing? Is mm. is that changed the dynamics or the the I guess buddy etiquette of heckling has changed over uh, the years? You look, I've heard about comedians getting heckled, but that only happens when there's a pause in the laughter. So <laughs> <laughs> never, never <laughs> it's just a constant when no one gets chance to take a breath, they yeah. can't heckle. Um, no, <laughs> um, it's it's just a thing. Sometimes people feel like. And I think <clears throat> from Australian culture, where we've had Rodney Rude, where Rodney Rude comes out and just like, um, Australian. you know, if, where you, you go on the toilet and just starts hooking into people, you know, you know I've seen your mum had her ass on me face or whatever. <laughs> and um, poetry, it's poetry. <laughs> and Highbrow. I mean, it's it's sophisticated. Yeah. Not- What's his one? Like, uh, oh, I've seen, what was it? Your mum, she's got an ass like a she's got an ass like a sack full of mating pythons. I saw her down in the sunk, and we were listening to it on the way to a run one day with a few of us in the car. And we we're just like, "Oh, he's good, isn't he?" Um, <laughs> but you sort of some people are just say dumb shit, and it's like, mm-hmm. "I can't do anything with that, mate. Just shut up. You're not helping." Yeah. And then, but when someone nails a heckle. And it makes the whole room laugh. It's like, well done, you, mm. you know. You, that's what people what, came and to And then do. you go to the dumb person. You go, see what that guy just did? Timing, waited for this <laughs> moment, and then shut up, right? Whereas you won't shut up, just shut up. And, um, yeah, well, some guy got me the other night. He, we, I was introducing, uh, hosting Best of the Best. So it's always, it's builders line up and the best comedians from around the world. So you go, well, it's, it's best of the best. It's the best comedians from around the world. But fortunately, we're in a pandemic. So what you've got, and some blokes just yelled out, is you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well done, mate. You nailed it. Good work. Yeah, you've got to pay that. Yeah. So, and so exactly, who's, what is it, George, George Zacharopoulos? He says, look, if you want to heckle, just, he, 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 you've got two choices. You can say something really funny that makes the audience laugh and we all have a good time and we say great work or you can say something really stupid and we all think you're a <laughs> so <laughs> just before you yell it out think which one do i want to be yeah <laughs> staying with the theme of stagecraft you look like you have a lot of fun on stage i mean you're laughing as much if not more than anyone else um and you engage with the crowd and having seen your shows the one thing that i'm intrigued by is how you remember people's names and continually bring things back to them through the show. Yep. It's just practice and being aware of it. And I guess there's a, it's, a, it's a skill you work on. I always, if you watch me, I always repeat the name. Emma, oh, good to have you in, Emma. Um, what is it you do for a job, Emma? So I've like said that person's name three times mm. in five seconds straight after meeting them and like looking at them, trying to focus on them. Do you, and then, do you use any of those little, you know, memory mnemonics like Steve in a wheelchair, Christopher Reeve, you know, yeah, like yeah, you yeah, do yeah, that yeah. sort of stuff? Well, or? I've got a, one, of my, one of my mates, uh, Scottish mate, Obi, he's a memory guy. So you can just get a deck of cards and at a rate of a card a second, just he'll, he'll recall. Fl- and he'll, he'll read them back to you in order. And wow. he did that thing as well. He said, when you, you picture, picture a picture here, so if it's Ben... 
Um, I've just got to think of something that, you know, makes me very nondescript. So. <laughs> just, just bland. <laughs> just a beige square. Yeah. Um, I like, I'll just think like a 60, you know, unforgiving 60 oh, yeah, yeah. or something like that. And then picture that on your forehead. And then it's your brain remembers the picture better than the, than the name yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. So, but yeah, it's just, it's just, you got to try and repeat the name hmm. three times, you know, and that's easy. Emma, everybody. And so what do you do for a job, Emma? And good to have you in, Emma. What do you do for a job? And, mm. Yeah. So can we talk about, I was going to say writing a joke, but that's probably not doing it justice because... You would craft your jokes, I'm sure, Mick. How do you get started? How much do you write? How many times do you edit it just to get it precise and perfect? Oh, it's a never-ending process, really. Um, and Because even like jokes, a, a joke I might have written 15 years ago, it's always there in the back of your head. I, pro- I wouldn't deliberately do it on stage. But if you're talking to someone and then they, they happen to go, oh, I used to work at Ingham's Chicken Factory. And then it's like, oh. I remember the chicken joke. Yeah, I remember the chicken joke. I remember the time I used to work in a factory. And then you tell the joke and then it's been away for 15 years, but you're now a 15 years better comedian. Yeah. Mm. And then all of a sudden you, you've got, you're just not in the spirit of the moment, you've added three new layers to it and you think, oof. Better bring back the factory, you know. <laughs> factory bit. Bringing back the factory bit, you know. And then and that to the audience, it's like, well, this guy's a he, she just said she worked in a factory and, and next minute he's off on a five minute riff about working and this guy's a genius, you know. Um so yeah, it's always a work in progress, but you just start with a concept and then you generally you just sort of the concept might be thirty seconds to a minute when it first starts. If you're working it out on stage, some people just write and write and rewrite and mm. won't take a joke on stage until they've got their three minute, this is how it starts, this is all the way through it, which is risky, sort of, because if it doesn't, if that concept doesn't fly, you've got three minutes of dead space. Mm. You know, you see them sometimes just go, oh, you know what, this isn't working, let's go on to something else. Um, but, you know, if it starts at a minute or 30 seconds where you just, here's the concept and then, no, oh, yeah, that concept worked, all right, let's, let's go here, Expand let's go that. here. And if you're on stage working it out, you try and keep it loose for that in the moment stuff where your brain just goes, here's a thing, and which often happens. You, your brain pr- provides the solution in the moment yep. where you think, I haven't quite got a punchline for it, but let's, and then all of a sudden, bang, you've got a punch, you know. Mm. Or you think about it before you go to bed and you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, yeah, of course. Ripper. Yeah. Can, can you sit down and write? Like, do you say, like, today from nine to five, I'm going to write jokes? Does it work like that? Do, do you do that? That's a bit like having a real job. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you become a comedian to work nine to five, Kenny, come on. Put your um, little tie on. And... Yeah, no, what we'll sometimes, we sometimes, sometimes do it by myself. I think, all right, I need to. So I'll often go for a walk yeah. and just um, and just just have a think, think about the things I want to think about, let the brain sort of go loose. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you just, sit down with a couple other comedians and just go, oh, here's a thing I've been stuff. thinking of and just everyone throws a, throws a few things into the pot for it, which is which is pretty helpful. It's always good when you, you know, you've got a few mates that you like to write with. Um, yeah, different ways. Yeah. But, yeah, it's that 
filling out a big, you know, I'm going to, it's, it's, um, it's much better to work it out, work on stage, I think. And do you write your stuff down? Do you have mixed big book of jokes that you've had since you were 13 years Jerry old? Jerry Seinfeld or? approach. Yeah. yeah oh, is that what he does? Yeah, yeah. He's got books and books and books and books and books yeah. of gags. Right. He's very anal. Um, <laughs> but he's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, obviously. Um, yeah, no, I have notebooks and stuff. And sometimes the, like, the, the concepts are written out. And then there's a point where they just go off into their own life. And then sometimes if you bring them back when they're, you know, you've got it, it's now a five-minute bit, and then you write that bit out just to sort of clean up the, yeah. um, clean up the words in between it, get and, the flow, and, and and get the get the um, what's the what's the book called where you get the words? The thesaurus. Thesaurus. Get the thesaurus out and just try and um, make it a bit more colourful. Yep. Yeah, give it a bit more life that way. And how do you test your gags before you come and do a fringe? Do you have a trusted group of insiders that you you run your ideas against to see if they're really funny or do you just throw it at a fringe and yes sometimes sometimes it depends on the show like i've done shows before that you couldn't they're fairly narrative like there's a start beginning middle end and yep. everything ties in and <laughs> you can't really test them as a whole 50 minute show but then there, there might be bits in there that that you've done on stage, say, oh, that's going to work. And then you've got these linkages and a concept. You can't test a concept. So mm -hmm. sometimes you do a um, uh, preview shows mm -hmm. so and um, test your stuff out there. And, and Do you ever go off-piste? So for Melonhead, for example, you, you kind of have that trajectory of you, the school, the bullying, the gags there, being reunited with the guy who... <laughs> said he was going to kill you, um, yada, yada, yada. But do you ever go off-piste and take a different track in order to get to a different part or do you generally stay on script? You can you can always move it around and it's sort of, it's structured in, um, I guess, clunks. Like there's a clunk, that bit in there and that bit in there and, and you can always get around it. But it's kind of structured to make, there's callbacks to bits all the way through so those bits have to... Mm. fit where they are to make sense and, and what sort of like what sort of variation between you know you're doing a run of shows at a festival like how similar is each night like mm. is it oh. 10 percent variation or is it 50 percent, or is it kind of 99 percent the same or? it's it's generally fairly similar but it's always a work in progress so yeah. always uh record every show oh, yeah. and then uh listen back to it and you think oh that you know that bit was it was a bit flat through there. I need a little punch in that bit. Mm -hmm. um, that got some, you know, that I like that. Um, I, oh, I forgot to put that bit in there, so let's yeah. make sure we get that tomorrow night. Stuff like that. So oh, that's pretty always... cool. So you do the the play by play after action review. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Take you know, you schedule in fifty minutes the next day just to listen back through it and make some notes. And yeah. it's always, you know, you just want to keep building it up and building it up. Would you be your biggest critic in that re regard, listening back to your shows, Mick? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. probably. Uh, fairly or unfairly critical? It depends on the, depends on the mental state <laughs> <laughs> at the time. Um, if, you're, if there's a bit on, you just sort of whiz through it and go, oh, I forgot, you know, you don't yeah. give yourself too much of a hard time. When it's a, um, if you've got a good audience, that's a, a good gauge because then, um, you know, you're getting laughs. You, you can hear the laughter better and you go, oh, yeah, that does need a little bit of a tweak because I need, I need an extra joke in there just to cover up that bit or 
Por el mensaje. Um, like obviously body language is pretty important so the yeah at the the venue I'm working at doesn't have a stage so in mm -hmm. a stage might be 30 centimeters it might mm. be 90 centimeters it depends how big it is and so you have to yeah you can be more personal when you're not on the stage because you're at people's level but at the same time you got to remember to, to play over the heads of the front row mm. so even they're seated and you're standing but yeah. you can still because there's a lot of like going on in your hips and with your legs, with your walking and stuff like that, <laughs> that they can't see. So they've mm. got to, you've got to transfer that into your upper body yeah. in a sense, you know. So there's a bit like, you know, when I talk about you're walking along and you get mm. hit with a six-point bleeder, like that's, a, that's a little <laughs> act out. But, you, you know, you, if your legs go jelly, yeah, no one can, mm. see, it. No no one can see, see it in the back row. So it's like, oh, it's your, <laughs> your, your upper body has to, yeah. Ben, do you know what a six-point bleeder is? I do not. Mm. So yeah, you'll have to you'll come have to watch, go the watch the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> learn about six point bleeders <laughs> and Sharon. Yeah, and Sharon and Sharon yeah, and Sharon. Sounds intriguing. Yes, yeah, very intriguing. Hey Mick, so your girlfriend's a comedian as well. Yep, Beaver Cheeks. Yeah, how, how does that go? Is there is there a bit of friendly rivalry? Do you help each other with jokes? Do you steal her stuff? No, we. Yeah, it's very supportive. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's very supportive, and. Um, it's sort of being a, a comedian is it's a pretty it's tough on relationships. Mm. So if you're not if you if you're with someone who isn't a comedian, because of the being on the road and yep. stuff like that. So it's just it works for us because we get to go and be at festivals together and stuff like that. Is your house always funny? I mean, I guess there'd be the the perception that walking into your house would uh, just be still a, a relationship. A mate, it? <laughs> 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 Nothing funny about that. <laughs> Nothing funny about forgetting to do the dishes or yeah. leaving the undies on the floor. No, we, you know, no, we 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 have a, a, a lot of laughs together, and mm. um, it's it's good. And yeah, like I say, we help each other. So she's she'd come and watch my show. I've been and watched her show, and we and you know you help them with the structuring and the putting together and. Before we, when we were still in uh, isolation, before we came out and started, we had to like perform them in front of each other and stuff like that. And yeah, lots of feedback and helping out and stuff. Any duets? Do you do a, a Kenny Rogers, Dolly Parton no, sort of <laughs> double? No. There's a show though, the comedy pub crawl that we uh, we both host, and so on a Friday and Saturday night there might be three or four um, different pub crawls just going from venue to venue and there's a comedian at each pub and it's a pretty fun show. Uh, but, and we host, we host a couple of, so we, if we're hosting, and then at the end of a couple of them, they all get merged into one big venue. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. And like, it's quite, you know, it's pretty good fun. So we, um, Is that a fringe we're on stage thing? together doing that. Is that a fringe thing? Yeah, yeah. Like all fringe fringes now? do that? No, no, it's, oh, the, the, it's the producer that we work with, we're working with here in Perth who puts those on, yeah. Okay. Uh, the other thing you do is you write gags for other people, um, not to give those people away. But how did that come about and how do you come up with concepts to deliver to others who then tell your jokes? Yeah, you've just, you just have to know the person, really, and you have to know the, um, uh, their, their style of delivery and the, the, how they're doing it. So 
just put yourself in their shit. You know? how, how does that work? Do you get paid by the laugh, or you know, is it is it just paid by the day? It's for a radio station. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, for for a brekkie show on a radio station. So mm-hmm. you just get paid by the day, and the producer sends you a bunch of topics. Here's what we're going to be talking about tomorrow, um, and you write some jokes. For yeah, that, yeah, you know. Is there any chance you could make us funny with your, with your <laughs> I can make anyone funny, given, given the time. Yeah. It's you, going to be a big investment. Yeah, you need more than an unforgiving 60. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. We'd have to probably pretty much bankroll you to get a, get a good joke out. Yeah, no, but you've just got to think about it. You've just got to write in that person's voice. And as long as you know that person, you can, you can write gags. Well, heaps of comedians have writers. Hmm. Like the more... Um, the more famous people get, the more likely it is that they'll have they'll have writers because they're just you're too busy. You know. Mm. This is a rude question, but does anyone write for you? Nah, nah, not. I mean, comedians write for each other all the time because you'll just see some, someone will do something on stage and you'll give you an idea. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you go the next punch will pop into your head and you just say afterwards, oh, you know, when you do that, what about this? And I go, oh man. Why didn't I think of that? Yeah. And then two nights later, you'll see him do that bit and it'll get a huge laugh and you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, any, anyone who's not an asshole in comedy and has got comedian friends has probably got, you know, at least five or six mm. punchlines in their sets that someone else has given them, mm. like another comedian suggested to them. So, so there are assholes in comedy? Oh, there's assholes everywhere. Yeah, yeah. that's true. That's yeah. a dumb question. Yeah. But you sort of think... I don't know, particularly the way, you know, you're moving around fringe. I imagine you're hitting the same people. You're running into the same comics all the time. Yeah. You know, surely you couldn't afford to burn too many bridges in that kind of community. It's some people just, some people just do. Some people are just assholes. Yeah. yeah some right. people just do. And it's not, I don't know, it's it's maybe it's, it is a bit more of a self-regulating community. But, you know, it's just that thing. It's the same as everywhere and. And even it's just a group dynamic as well. Mm-hmm. Like some person, someone might not be an arsehole to other people, but yeah. they are. You just don't yeah, like yeah. them. They don't like you. It's just a um, thing. Whatever. Are, are there any sort of unwritten codes amongst comics? I imagine you know stealing gags is probably frowned upon. Yeah, stealing, stealing, stealing jokes is a big one. Um, that's that's probably the main one. You don't want to be sort of. You don't. You certainly don't want people out there going, "Oh, he's a joke stealer." Yeah. Yeah. That's that 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 would be the main one. What else? Just I think um, don't don't shit on people on while you're on stage. Yeah. Like if you're in, in a lineup show or something like that, if you get on and go, hey, what about that? How's that? What that? What a dickhead that last guy is, or yeah. you know something like that. You shouldn't do that. Um, it's, I don't know. There's there's a few. But they're unwritten, so I can't tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Phil Jones, uh, who we did an episode with, he's a sales guy. He talks about keynotes and and where you're seriesed in a keynote, that it's a bit like this baton relay. You've got to hand the baton over to someone. You've got to take the baton. You've got to continue, you know, so there's some continuity there and then... And then hand over yourself. Yeah, I guess that's probably yeah. the same in a. In and that's, well, you know, some people are like, oh, I don't want to follow him. You know, he's. I don't want to follow him. He's too hard to follow. Um, I. But you should, you know, you should be trying to make the stage. You shouldn't shit on the audience so that the next guy coming up has to dig him back out yeah. of a hole or anything yeah. like that. Leave him on a low. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this year, looking forward, what are you? What are you hoping for? What would be a dream year for McNevin? Oh, that. Um, 
Adelaide Fringe and Melbourne Comedy Festival go forward uninterrupted. Mm-hmm. And so that would be nice to get that get that work squared away. And then for the rest of the year, that the borders stay open and that we can just sort of travel within Australia for work and mm. that um, people just keep coming out and watching comedy. Mm. Yeah. It's good for you, particularly in these peculiar times. Yeah. And I think hopefully, you know, some of the, you talk about the positive aspects of the pandemic and some of the, the sort of uplift of people recognising how good we've got it here and how much we took for granted the ability to go to the pub or mm. go to yeah. see someone funny and, and have that kind of night out. Yeah, when when uh, comedy started back up in Queensland, live shows, we moved, my girlfriend and I, we moved from Rocky to the Sunshine Coast and then started doing, um, started working again. And probably every show that we did was sold out, but also sold out days ahead. And that's partly because of... Um, restrictions venue restrictions but also because people are like yes 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 we want to we want to go out we want to laugh we want to do stuff yeah. also yeah. cuz you're excellent no huh? also cuz you're oh, well, yeah. yeah 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 i don't my name doesn't sell a lot of tickets i don't think but um no people just want to be out hmm. doing stuff and hopefully that continues how do people find out more about you mick uh, my website i guess micknevin.com.au micknevin.com.au and social media you're on Instagram. On the Instagram. Go and get on the Instagram. You can see me diving off the pylon. <laughs> <laughs> and running in circles like a cage rat, yeah. Yeah, Instagram's at uh, just Mick Nevin on the Instagram and then uh, Facebook, Mick Nevin Comedian and Twitter, Mick Nevin. Yeah. And somebody have a question, a word of advice for the world? Um, oh, look, just always try and be positive and having a laugh's good for you, so go and watch some comedy. Good on you, Mick. It's great to have you on the show. Good, Good to, to see you again, back, fellas. <laughs> Cheers.
Now to the debrief. We try to go always a little further in this podcast and greatly appreciate your input. Please let us know your feedback, the good, the bad, or the ugly. Also, if you know someone who is living a life less ordinary, we'd love to hear about them. You can get in touch at debrief at unforgiving60.com. That's debrief at unforgiving60.com. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends and write a review for us on Apple Podcasts. Until next episode, keep filling your unforgiving minutes with 60 seconds worth of distance run. See you next time on the Unforgiving 60.